welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. Today, I'm talking with John Morley. John's had an interesting career trajectory, starting with rural economic development in Ireland, all the way to working with technology companies in Silicon Valley. We talked about a few key ideas that have threaded their way through that journey, trust, vision, strategy, and how those concepts play out as groups address different kinds of problems. We started our conversation with my asking John to define trust and vision. I think trust is the ability for two people to sit down, whether they share a viewpoint or not, and just listen to each other and, and, and have that willingness to explore. Um, so what did you just say to me and why, is that, why does that resonate with you and, and how can I actually try and put myself in your shoes and understand that? So vision for me, um, depending on what you're looking at, the noun or the verb version of it, if it's a noun, I think it's a state. It can be one of two things, actually. It can be the state two or three years out that I'd, I'd like to get to. Um, and I can envision and see, you know, here's, here's how it's going to be in, say, two or three years out. Um, or it might be um, a method or process for getting to something that's maybe a little less clear, but a, a general sense of, of being. Um, I always get a little, I have to think twice between sort of vision, aspiration and purpose because they're, they're quite close, um, but they're not all the same thing. So if you're an individual and you have some aspiration for the world, um, I wouldn't call that a vision because visions to me are inclusive. They must bring in other players because otherwise they're going to be exclusive. So I think, um, I think yes, preferably they are uh, inclusive. And I, I like the idea that they're network-based and, and I love the way you, know, you and Ed talk about networks as sort of being places where people can't tell other people what to do. Um, so I think they need to be, a vision needs to be inclusive and it needs to take in counter viewpoints, um, which is why they're based on trust, right? So you can listen to each other, have debate. So I actually had a little quote here from a friend of mine, um, Shannon, Shannon Lucas, she says, every path through a challenging problem shares the same basic structure. Sense the system to create a first vision, take a step towards it, and then you iterate. And I like that. And, and, and I, think that, that, I think that ties in with maybe your, your perspective and Ed's, which is that um, uh, you know, it can become too much of a wordsmithing exercise. Actually, it's a bit of a journey and it'll probably evolve and it'll evolve the more viewpoints we, we pull in. So in your work, how do you get to a vision? What tools do you use to get there? Oh, well, very, I mean, very specifically, there's, there's literally a canvas that I use called the five-step, the bull, the five-step bull journey, I think it's called. Um, and, and, and um, visually it's one big circle surrounded by five smaller circles. And the idea of the big circle is like, here's the vision we have. And then the five circles around it, I think it's called the five bold steps statement is the name of the canvas, um, are themes or activities that we need to actually include as essential to getting us to that step. Um, but, but why I'm pausing here, Liz, is that um, I kind of prefer, I hope this isn't too abstract, I kind of prefer the sense that you can get people now, well, as I've been through, through strategic doing, right? So I kind of prefer the idea that we can get people to align around a shared purpose that they're all bought into. 
Um, and that then to me is not so much about the, the, atta the attainment of a fixed thing, which was I think a vision is, but it's actually um, a commitment to go together on a journey towards improving things in general. Um, and, and so like I would, if you said to me, um, it's like some of the work that I've done, let's say just from a design standpoint where I have to work with a team to try to figure out what is their vision and mission for their function. Um, a lot of the time we'll paint this picture of where we think we'd like to be in two to three years time and what steps we would need to take now and what proof points we would need to be building to actually attain that. But there's an understanding all the time that that is open to constant iteration, depending on the goals and objectives that are being given to the team by, by leadership or by changing situations. Um, so that's a very, to my mind, it's sort of a mechanical, valuable process for keeping focus. I think when, when things are fuzzier, you need to um, find that shared purpose, that one thing where we can say, look, you know, I think this and you think that, but that's okay because both of us would really like to see the world change in this direction. And, uh, and so I think there's a difference between those two. I like that. I think that sense of, you can tell I'm thinking this through, that sense of, uh, uh, you know, vision for sort of a more technical um, uh, method is probably a good, good fit. Well, it, it seems like it makes then for, for fuzzier situations, it makes vision come an emergent property and not a foundational one. One of the other things you've talked about is that, that often in those situations, new partners need to come in or new, you know, new players. Um, and what does that do to the vision that you've established? Is, is, you know, does that, it was something we always struggle with in, in terms of, you know, we say you don't go backwards, but you know, yeah. the reality is you've got new people then who are part of the process. And well, I think one of the things that gets interesting and, and like I'm the world's greatest fan of taking shortcuts, um, but, but to take shortcuts, I think you also need some very clear constraints where you can say, well, I'm, I'm taking that shortcut, but within context. Right. So, so where I'm going with this is, um, I'm going to make a very broad generalist statement, uh, which you know you disagree with, and I'll be happy to just to hear about that. But I think I think a lot of organizations are really bad at strategy, um, and and what I sort of so to make sort of a big generalization statement like that, I think you have to define sort of what is strategy. So this is where I borrow something from something I like to say um, is um, Roger Martin who came out of the Rotman Business School in Toronto, and he has this, what's he called, the strategy cascade. And that when you're looking at strategy, um, you know, what is our aspiration? Where do we play? How will we win? What skills and capabilities do we need? And what systems do we need? And all of those are, are cross-referencing. So you can start at any one and work your way up or down. Um, but if you come in and say, well, look, this is the aspiration, but you haven't thought about how will we play or what skills and capabilities we need, the reason I'm going that you talk about new player comes in. Well, great. Well, where do they fit? Are they on the aspirational end because they've seen a market or are they on the skills and capabilities end because they're, they're focused on how we can make that strategy a winning strategy. Like I, I, I want to see when somebody comes in, this is great. Where do you fit? Where do you play? Because if you don't have a, a perspective across the whole stack, um, I'm going to ask you to listen to people who do and engage with them. And I, I've seen that just too many times where there's clarity around one part of that stack, but not at the other. Yeah, when you talk about that stack, I'm thinking about, you know, what, what we, when we talk about strategy, we say, you know, strategy is where are you going and how are you going to get there? Mm. Um, I love that. Which, which divides out a little bit differently with your stack, right? Uh, because 
at least three of the things in your stack are in the how are we going to get there, maybe four. Based on that, I would say to you, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all equally weighted in the stack, but I think they're all, they're, um, they're all important. You know, so, so if I give an example, um, you'll see a lot of organizations have moved to something like a salesforce.com, which is a big investment and is a very useful tool um, as long as people put the data into it. So I've been in organizations where they're exceptionally good at putting that information in, and I've been in ones where they're exceptionally bad. Um, and that's an example, I think, at the bottom of that stack, which is to say, what systems do we need? Well, how good are those systems? Because that will inform our ability to hit the aspiration. Um, systems are really always people. That The stack makes a lot of sense to me, uh, particularly in an entrepreneurial environment, where I think... Um, you know, in a new venture, almost always you have the person with the aspiration um, who's driving the bus. And when it falls apart, it's because they don't have those other people around them uh, who can think about systems and people and capabilities and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Or even sometimes, where do we play? Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, I'm here in Silicon Valley, right? So, and I've got some friends who are in the VC space. And they will always tell you that the successful ventures are the ones where the, the founder who has the vision um, also understands that they need to bring in talent that can do the other pieces. Um, and then they say that sometimes you'll find that somebody has a fantastic technical idea, but they're so married to the technical idea that they don't see the, you know, the where are we going part? They see it around the widget, but they don't see it around the, the general yeah. value, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, but what I hear you saying is it's not just in the startup space, that that, that same uh, kind of need for, need for balance across that portfolio. Yeah. In large entities as well. I, I like that you say that, Liz, because I, I, one of the things, and I haven't fleshed this out much, but one of the things I, do believe is that every endeavor, whether it's a social endeavor or whether it's a business endeavor, um, it's, it's all driven by human behavior. So I think if there are elements or things that work in one, they'll probably work in the other too. Um, we just put different language around them and maybe there's different forms in which people gather, but you know. I well, I think there's a lot less of a, a safety net in an entrepreneurial venture, unless there's so much, you know, venture capital that, you know, kind of hides the, the vulnerability there. But do you know, this is interesting. So I, I like, I started my career in, in rural development and I ended up in tech. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I get a window into both sides um, of the conversation. I, I think, and I'll give you another practical example in 2008, when the recession hit hard, biggest, most impressive innovation I saw was coming out of the Midwest in the US on the basis that those companies that we were talking to weren't just concerned about their business. They were the big employer in a given city. And if they went under, that city went under and they felt that really strongly. So I, I did feel where I was trying to go with this is that there's a sense that it might be just my sense of it, but there's a sense that businesses are, are able to take risk and be innovative, but also there's a big cost if you fail. 
But actually, I think um, I think some of the best innovations and biggest risks we see are actually coming out of the public sector um, because the cost of not doing something is so much higher on a human level. I mean, you know, I'm saying so. So, like companies, companies at the moment, right? Twenty twenty, they're they're turfing people out on the street, left, right, and center because the bottom line is being impacted. And I understand that from a business standpoint, but but the impacts of that on society are huge, and those companies are not necessarily stepping in to to fix that space. Um, well, that kind of squares the circle back around a vision, right? That it's the companies that have a more expansive vision that goes beyond, you know, increasing our profit or entering a new market or whatever, but that see themselves as, as part of something bigger, whether or not that's a you know community or that are more able to innovate because they have a, a more expansive vision in which in which they're trying to operate. When I moved from Ireland to Silicon Valley, I moved inside the same company. And I moved from a campus of 2,000 people in Ireland to a campus of 2,000 people in California. Um, and in California at the time, the campus was made up of a whole bunch of newly acquired companies. There were 60 companies that had come together over a period of three years. Um, and there was very little shared purpose amongst those companies other than they had all been acquired by this one larger organization. And so I called a guy who ran the plant back in Ireland and I said to him, you've got 2000 people on the ground there and they're all pulling for each other. And I have 2000 people here in this campus and we don't have this shared purpose. And, and he, what he said to me was interesting. He said, look, we all work for the organization and we all strive for the organization's success. But he said, I would say to you that we are here to make the region successful because it's, it's, we all know that keeping this company in this economy keeps this number of families going and this number of external businesses going. Um, and so that was a campus of 200, oh, sorry, of 2000 people in a city of 200,000, whereas we were a campus of 2000 in a Bay area of 9 million people. Um, and so he said to me, and I, the term he used was, he said, you've got to find a, a Jersey that everybody wants to play for. This is why I go back to the start and sort of said about, um, I don't think an individual can have a vision that scales for a whole group of people or a network or a society. Um, and that is that simply what is of value to you might not be of the same level of value to me. Uh, and therefore, when people get together, one of the kind of rules that we used to put in place was everybody needs to derive value out of this. Um, we made that a, a kind of rule of engagement. And so where I'm going with that is that a team that came in with a vision for their function could engage in this process and still achieve their vision, but now collectively we were achieving something else. Um, it was compatible, complementary, um, but it's sort of that sense of points of view is that um, we don't have to find one point of view when we all come together. There are multiple and that's okay. Um, and that's why I kind of shy away from vision a little bit because um, I may not have the same vision as you, but that's fine. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the lab and how we help organizations address complex challenges, visit our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through that website. Just look for the Contact Us button. See you next time.